Hi, I'm State Representative Deb Andraka. Fall is an exciting time. It's the start of a new school year, the start of the fall legislative session, and the introduction of brand new census data that will determine the direction of our state for the next 10 years. Today, I'm excited to be on some assembly required to kick off our fall freshman series, talk about redistricting, and a little bit about some of my legislative projects. This is Some Assembly Required, a podcast hosted by the Wisconsin Assembly Democratic Caucus discussing what's happening in the state capitol and all things Wisconsin. I'm your host, Assembly Democratic Leader Gordon Hintz, representing the 54th Assembly District and the city of Oshkosh. Well, welcome, Representative Andraka. Uh, We're thrilled to have you on Some Assembly Required today. Uh, You were one of the two new uh, pickups for Assembly Democrats in the 2020 election, uh, representing sort of the North Shore of Milwaukee uh, metro area. Um, And I've always been struck by the experience that you bring uh, to the legislature, uh, despite the fact that uh, you've got plenty of work life ahead of you. You've kind of done, you know, a lot of professional work in a number of capacities. You've been a parent, an advocate, an organizer, and uh, you bring all of that to the legislature. So we're, we're excited to have you in our caucus, which one of 10 new members and uh, that has made our caucus a majority um, female, which is also very exciting for us. That as is we are very more. exciting. It is. And uh, I've, you know, I've noticed the quality's improved and uh, we're also a more diverse caucus. And I think it's important for folks to recognize that we are more reflective of the population around the state. Um, and so we're, we're excited. Um, to have you on here. Well, as you mentioned in your opening, uh, with the new census data, we're finally getting you know a real more accurate snapshot of the changes that have taken place over the last decade, where people live, you know, and uh, will certainly shape how maps uh, should be drawn and ultimately how they are drawn. Um, you know, why uh, why do you think the census is so important? Well, the census is critically important, and this year is what I like to call the Super Bowl of maps. 10 years ago when the lines were drawn, a lot of people have heard about how badly Wisconsin was gerrymandered. And this is an opportunity to fix that. Now, uh, going way back, I've always been fascinated by maps. Uh, My first date with my husband was at a map exhibit. So I'm an elementary school teacher. So this was something that has always caught my attention and something that came up an awful lot on the campaign trail too. Everybody is very frustrated with the legislature. I hear it everywhere I go that why can't you guys just work across the aisle and get something done? What I spent a lot of time doing was connecting that with gerrymandering is the reason that you feel the gridlock. You feel it on things like gun issues. You feel it on things uh, that have overwhelming public support, like expanding Medicaid, all of those things that people we know, uh, most people we know want to support Uh, go back to gerrymandering because you don't have people in office who are reflecting their communities. And when I would explain that to people when I was campaigning, it made sense to them. So it's been, it was a big part of my campaign and I'm thrilled to be able to work on it in the legislature. When we, you know, I was in office after the last redistricting. And I think at the time we recognized that uh, the intent of the maps, I don't, think we understood just how uh, effective they were going to be and what the impact on governance and direction of our state, uh, you know, contrary to the goals of democracy. Uh, But we also said, well, nobody cares. You know, it's inside baseball. Uh, The voters don't understand. Um, You know, I think in our original episode two years ago, we talked about, um, you know, the impact of redistricting 
in your in your districts um, or in your district and in your conversations since you've been in office, uh, how engaged do you think the public is on redistricting, both in terms of their understanding uh, and their interest in you know what happens next? Well, people are really aware that something is wrong and that it has been getting worse and worse over the years. And it kind of goes back to why I decided to run for office in the first place. Um, I was a organizer with a group called Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense, and I was an elementary school teacher. And when I tried to have meetings with my representative, I, I wouldn't get phone calls back. Uh, whenever I tried to set up meetings with him to talk about, uh, for example, gun safety issues, um, I would rarely meet with him. I would meet with staff. And that didn't make sense to me, having been involved in uh, campaigns in the past and just knowing if we all take political science, that our elected representatives, they work for us. So you really knew that something was broken. And it all came to a head for me when in 2018, the legislature uh, gaveled in and gaveled out the governor had a special session on gun legislation and I was in the Capitol and I watched them just not even take up the issue, not even discuss it, even though all of my neighbors support reasonable, um, reasonable gun laws and want to see something changed. And that was the moment that I decided that I would never change my own representative's mind. So I would change his job. So I filed and I ran. So I think people are connecting it more because of that frustration that they feel that disconnect that nobody is listening to them. And that has fueled a lot of people to look into it. And it's why it's become much more, uh, much more widely known than ever before. I mean, one of the things that we've really witnessed and, you know, over the, and we have elections every two years, we have the same map for, uh, you know, a decade. And I think everybody needs to recognize the stakes of uh, this next map will be there. Um, when my kids were in high school and they're two and four years old now, um, you're in one of the few competitive seats uh, in that it's pretty much a 50-50 district. I think like, you know, long, you know, was different years ago, um, but changing demographics have, have impacted things, including your district. Um, you know, when redistricting happens, there's a lot of 80% districts, you know, for Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, which I think changes the accountability. Can you talk a little bit about maybe, you know, uh, how that impacts the governing process um, in terms of, um, you know, if you're in a, 75, 80% district um, uh, versus being in a 50-50 district in terms of your accountability to the voters. Sure, I was uh, talking with someone at, at town hall uh, just two days ago, and they were clearly on the other end of the political, political spectrum from me, um, it, but they started basically yelling at me saying, you know, why can't we get anything done? All you guys do is meet. And there was just a lot of frustration. And again, I explained to her, I said, when you have uh, you have a gerrymandered map and you have a lot of solid red districts and a lot of solid blue districts, you don't have enough of those moderate districts that makes it easier to work across the aisle and get things done where legislators are closer together on, issue, on issues. And that's where you can uh, get some compromise. And even though me and this uh, voter were on opposite ends, we agreed on that, that both Republicans and Democrats would benefit and they would really gain from having maps that reflected communities so we could get some more of these competitive districts. Now, I am the first Democrat to represent my district pretty much ever that we can determine and that has been in its current shape and form. And my neighborhood has always been 
considered solid Republican. But what I like to say is that my neighbors haven't changed, but the Republican Party has. And I have seen my moderate Republican neighbors be disaffected by what's been going on in the legislature as they move farther and farther to the right. So I ran as a moderate and I am able to reach across the aisle and represent uh, a very purple district because I have to listen to them because it's what I was elected to do. And when you have more competition, you have legislators who need to work hard and to stay abreast and to stay in touch with their constituents. I, I like to say that competition is good for business, but competition is good for politicians too. You've alluded to it, and we're going to kind of get into a little bit more about your experience so far, but do you remember the exact moment that you decided to run? I mean, I know that we were talking back then, we were excited about you running, but, you know, there's still that actual moment where I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's the, when the governor had the special session on gun legislation, and they gaveled in and gaveled out in a matter of seconds, and that's when I knew that someone had to make a change, and I decided that if I couldn't change my legislator's mind. I changed his job, filed uh, in November, and uh, this was pre-COVID. So honestly, I didn't know, none of us knew what we were walking into at that time. So um, as things got worse and worse, we had to flip to a virtual campaign. We had to do everything online. I had to make thousands of phone calls rather than do a lot of town hall meetings and, and, and meeting with constituents one-on-one. So it was very, very challenging. Um, but when you haven't run a campaign before, you don't know when things are going wrong either. So uh, we, we did the best we can and we were able to flip the district, which is very exciting. Had you thought about running for office before? I mean, I know there's some work that you've done. You've been to school out in Washington, D.C. area, um, but there's still a big difference. Uh, had you ever thought you might run for office? Um, not really. I had worked on campaigns. So when I, my first job after college uh, was in Washington, D.C., I worked for the lobbyist for the solar energy industry and had uh, got a master's at George Washington in political management. So I had worked on campaigns, but mostly as a communications director and a press secretary. So a lot of my work was in communications. Uh, but when I started to feel the impacts of gerrymandering and I just saw what was going on in my community, I realized that I had the tools and the skill set to, to understand what was going on. And I had already been arranging meetings for volunteers with Moms Demand Action to go meet with their legislators, uh, teach them how to, to lobby and to, to uh, communicate with their lawmakers. And so um, I like to say, when you start spending a lot of time with your lawmakers, you realize, oh, that's not so hard. So that's what I decided that uh, I would run. And my, my friend who was also my fellow Moms Demand Action um, a co-coordinator, uh, became my campaign manager. So we were both new, but sometimes you got to strike out and do things different. So uh, you've been in office for eight months. Uh, what's your favorite part of being a legislator so far? My favorite part has really been getting to know constituents from all across my district. I have a district that uh, it stretches north-south and is half in Milwaukee County and half in Ozaukee County. And I have always lived in the Milwaukee County part. But being able to get to know the Ozaukee County half, I represent the communities of Whitefish Bay, Fox Point, and Bayside in Milwaukee. 
uh, half of Mequon, uh, all of Beansville, and all of Grafton. Uh, that has been great. Uh, the constituents there and the um, the Democrats in that area are amazing. And I have the distinct honor of being the first statewide elected Democrat to represent any part of Ozaki County in a very long time. So that has been really a great opportunity for me to be able to get our message out, to talk about what we stand for in ways that uh, that purple area hasn't heard before. So that has probably been really been the best Talk to, talking with people who might think one way or have questions about particular issues and being able to explain a different perspective that they might not have heard before. What part of the job is, is least like you thought about uh, it would be or, or what surprised you most um, about your perception of what it would be like versus what it is? Oh, you always hear about the partisanship, uh, but you don't really understand it until you're swimming in it every day. And I didn't quite appreciate what it would be like coming into a legislature where so few districts turn over. So I uh, am just one of three to uh, legislators who flip a uh, district from uh, red to blue in the last decade. And it, that, ha that hasn't earned me a whole lot of friends on the other side of the aisle. So I work very, very hard to cultivate those relationships because it's how we need to work. And it's what my constituents want me to do uh, to the point where I sent them all Valentine's and Valentine's Day. Uh, I was you know, sending them notes, just doing everything possible to try to build up those working relationships. Now, it was hard because we were still in quarantine when I started and a lot of things were virtual, but um, it's worth doing. So that was very, very hard for lots of reasons, not the least of the global pandemic. Uh, that has become a little bit easier and like anything, it takes time. So I, I, I am sure that they will just get better the more I'm here. I hope so. I don't know that I got a Valentine, Deb, but um, we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, how about committee work? Uh, what committees are you on? Do you have a favorite committee and, and how's it been working on those? Is it any better kind of than, you know, your overall frustration on the partisanship? Yeah, committees has been where I've really been able to work with like-minded legislators on both sides. And that has, that has been great. I am on a small business, workforce development, energy and utilities, and forestry, parks, and recreation. Uh, workforce development has been particularly busy uh, talking about uh, the unemployment benefits and how we can help workers who uh, have lost jobs because of the pandemic. So that is uh, an area that I had an interest in. And uh, about two weeks ago, I was able to convene a number of business leaders from the Ozaki part of our district to talk about ways that we can invest in transportation. What can we invest in other ways that we can get workers uh, from where the workers are to a lot of the places in uh, some of the farther parts of the county that need that need employees. So being able to dig in on issues like that has been really rewarding. Um, getting back to your district a little bit, uh, I know that it's drawn, you know, it's, it's not a natural shape. Um, but I mean, it, it, you know, there are communities of commonality, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly the, you know, Long Lake, Michigan, the North Shore there. Um, what makes your district unique, either about, you know, the communities there or the people there, um, you know, kind of in terms of how it fits into our whole state? Like, what would you like to tell people about your, the 23rd district and the people there that makes it unique? Well, there's an awful lot of pen, attention paid to the district because we we were the, the suburbs, the, the purple districts. So uh, there seems to be an awful lot of attention paid to the places uh, where people 
tend to make up their minds um, you know, on issues depend not along party lines, but really how it impacts their local communities. And I think that's partly what drew me to the communities themselves is that everybody wants what's best for our neighbors. We want excellent public schools. We want safe neighborhoods. Uh, we want a lot of the same things. Um, representing that in such a partisan environment is a challenge, uh, but it, it's what makes the job interesting. And I really enjoy listening to people who might not agree with me and understanding where they're coming from, because that's one of the big challenges of having a district like mine. So um, it's, it's been great to get to know constituents and um, I really enjoy serving them. What kind of things are you working on, you know, in your office, uh, either, you know, district outreach or bills, um, you know, legislation that you're working on? What are you spending your time on and, and what do you hope to get done in the remainder of your first session? Well, fair maps, of course, because that's first and foremost what needs to happen. And we will get new maps one way or another because of the census data. Um, and I want to make sure that those reflect our communities and that they represent a, a process that takes the public's view into consideration and is a, a, a transparent process as much as possible. So uh, I'll be really involved in that the next couple of months. The other issues, um, climate change resiliency. So my district has about 20 miles of Lake Michigan coastline goes right up the lake. And so obviously water quality issues are very important. And also how can we make sure that our communities are preparing for bigger storms? Uh, we have, uh, constituents who have land on the top of the bluff and because of high water and low water and all of the different uh, changes that we're seeing in weather patterns, uh, they're literally falling into the lake. So things like that, uh, looking for ways that homeowners can, can uh, make investments that can protect homes and, and businesses and some of our best beaches all along in, in the district. Uh, also working on education. The, 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 it was a budget year, so it was quite a way to get thrown into uh, an election and, and figure out where that process worked. Uh, one of the things I tried to do was to get some clear information out about uh, education funding. It is very complicated, and I tried to write series of op-eds and meet with constituents so that they really understood what was happening to public education in the state budget. Uh, so using my platform to try to do that because in my district, quality public schools are unbelievably important to, to my constituents. And then finally, also uh, clean energy. I mentioned I worked in the solar energy industry many, many years ago, and I'm on uh, the, the public utilities uh, committee in the assembly. So figuring out ways that we can green our infrastructure. Uh, my oldest daughter has asthma, and I got very used to checking the air quality every day. I don't want other parents to have to do that. So how can we make sure that not only is our air quality good, but the energy going into our grid here in Wisconsin is clean and we can attract jobs and businesses in the clean energy economy. Our neighboring states are doing a whole lot better than we are. So I'd like to see us pick up some steam on that too. Um, well, now we're to the speed round portion where you know, you get tested and we find out a little bit more about who Representative Deb Andraka is. So I don't know what your commute is, 90 minutes. How are you spending your commute time uh, driving to Madison? What do you do? Well, the commute is an hour and 20 minutes and uh, generally we're working. Uh, my chief of staff is a, a longtime friend of mine and lives in the district and I have Wi-Fi in the car. So we are answering constituent mail and uh, 
pretty much working back and forth. What's the favorite committee you serve on? Uh, workforce development. Uh, what is your pre-session routine? Getting ready for session. I don't think I've developed one yet. <laughs> we haven't had a regular session. So with, with COVID and everything else, it, it's kind of every day has been different and every session has been different. What's your go-to meal when we're in session? Um, I try to make time to eat in the first place because I haven't been very good about that. So generally probably uh, a protein bar in my desk drawer. And that's kind of sad. You, maybe you probably haven't established your favorite restaurant on the square, have you? Well, when I started, they were all closed. So uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I go to Ancora a lot. So that has probably been where, where I've been the most, but the Colectivo on the square just opened. So uh, really haven't had a chance to sample much of anything around here. Well, then I may as well ask you, what's your coffee order? Uh, 2% latte. Like it. Uh, baking or cooking? Cooking. What show are you currently watching? None. <laughs> I'm not either, but. Now that, the, now that the Milwaukee Bucks are over, that was the best show. Well, so. that, well no, I am watching Ted Lasso. So that, okay. that's been the best one. Okay. Twitter or TikTok? TikTok. You know, I know we're roughly the same age, uh, but what is the best tip for filming a TikTok? I haven't found one. I'm really not good at it. So I, I love TikToks. I uh, kind of fell in love with them on the campaign trail and would use TikToks just to amuse my volunteers and friends to just get motivated about what we were doing every day. And what do your, do your daughters think of their mom TikToking? Well, I made the one TikTok uh, where I made Valentine's and it kind of went viral and my daughters were astonished and they had to explain to me what was happening because uh, I wasn't really up to speed on it. So I, I have had a whole lot less time to make videos because I, like I said, I am not very good at it. Uh, but it's fun. I, I, I like to get information out in any way possible. And as an elementary school teacher, I'm very used to meeting my students where they are. So if there are people on TikTok, you should make TikToks. If there are you know, people on Twitter you need to reach, you need to use Twitter. What is the favorite thing that your daughter's into? In other words, things that they do that you wouldn't have found on your own um, that you're into that they're into. My younger daughter is a great singer and she is very into musicals. Um, I, to tell you how much singing talent I had, in elementary school, I tried out for choir and they handed me a flute and said, never do that again. So I have no idea where this talent comes from, but now I really enjoy watching her perform and going to musicals, which I never you, really you, you should talk to Representative Vining, I think, who's been a guest on this show before. Um, her what son about your, and my what daughter are actually in musicals together. So we knew each other before then. <laughs> God, who knew we had a theater caucus? What's your least favorite, uh, you know, favorite of theirs? Uh, like I'm getting into children's shows, right? Because I have to watch, you know, things that my four-year-old wants to see for oh, one hour a day at the most. But <laughs> um, is there anything you can think of? Uh, you know, not really, because when they were little, I could probably name a lot, but now they're older and they're really fun to hang out with. My younger daughter is helping cook dinner. Uh, my older daughter is, you know, oh, she just left for college, which makes me very sad. So um, maybe I'm just really appreciative of the time that I have with them. So I can't think of anything. Favorite state park? Uh, Color Andre. Man bun or cargo shorts? Oh, cargo shorts, I guess. First job? Lifeguard. Least favorite job? Uh, being a waitress at Chi Chi's Mexican restaurant. The food was bad and the uh, restaurant was not very good. Water fountain or bubbler? Bubbler. Uh, solar panels or wind turbines? Solar 
panels. That's what we have on our garage. State Fair or Summerfest? State Fair. Cream Puff or Kringle? Cream Puff. All electric or hybrid? I have both. Trivial Pursuit or Punderdome? Punderdome. First record or album that you own? Uh, the Go-Go's. Uh, vacation or staycation? Vacation. Uh, favorite part of Wisconsin that is not uh, not your district? Um, family camp up near Manaqua in Lac de Flambeau. Uh, took the kids there for several years when they were younger in winter and summer. It's lovely. Okay. Well, you're off the hook, Deb Andraka, um, and I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. That's it for this uh, episode of Some Assembly Required. As always, you can find us wherever you listen, subscribe, and leave a review. And thank you, um, Representative Deb Andraka, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Some Assembly Required will be back next time with a new episode. Until then, this is Assembly Democratic Leader, Gordon Hintz.